All right, good to see each and every one of you guys here. We're continuing in our series called Calling and Courage. And I think this is an important part of our series uh, because, or important part of our church, because a lot of us and the world in general, as pandemic has now, you know, we've gotten used to it and we're kind of coming out of dealing with that pandemic stage. Um, sometimes as we start, it feels like starting something new again or getting back into routine again, uh, we feel lost at times and we need to rediscover our calling and have the courage to actually follow. Uh, last week, we were reminded that we are all created, each and every one of us, we're all created with two essential callings in our life. The first calling is a general one. This general calling is towards a right relationship with God, to be right in our relationship with God again, because that is where our security, our identity is formed. The second calling that each one of us have is a specific calling. This specific calling, what it does, it, it brings meaning to our gifts. It brings meaning to the experiences that we've had so far. It, it, it brings meaning to the passions uh, that we have, and it gives purpose to our life. And so these two callings come hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. They both need to be together. For humanity, you'll see that we have a tendency to forget our primary calling. And once we forget that primary calling, our relationship with God, to be in right relationship with the God who created us, the God who knows us, subsequently, we get disoriented by the busyness of life. We can probably see that even today, that as for some of us, if, if we find ourselves kind of lost or find ourselves distant, in our relationship with God, we get wrapped up in the busyness of life and we just tend to forget or we kind of lose our way a little bit in terms of what our life really is for. Remember Stephen Covey, the person that we've been quoting for the last few weeks? He says, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. So remember that the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing in our life that is the thing that we need to hold and to anchor ourselves to. Basically, he was, he's rephrasing, paraphrasing what we see in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Remember there, the author of Hebrews basically said the same thing. In our life, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. The way that the Hebrews author said it was this. So let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God our Father. See, the author of Hebrews, what he was drawing out and what he was bringing out to each one of us was this knowledge of knowing. Hey, the main thing is to fix our eyes on Jesus. The main thing is when we do so, not only do we rediscover our identity, not only are we re-anchored in why we have the gifts that we have, but in that relationship, God begins to reveal our purposes, our second calling. He begins to unveil that and make sense of all the experiences, the gifts, the passions that we have. You know, Mark Twain, the great American author, once said this, 
the two most important days of our life are the day you were born and the day you found out why. The two most important days of your life are the day that you were born and the day you find out why. You know, in the early days um, of my, my two children for April and Eden, believe it or not, their two most important people in their life, their two most favorite people in their life was mom and dad. We really were the most important, the most favored people that they could ever long for in their life. You know, in particular, um, I remember for, especially for April, how difficult it was to actually discipline my daughter April. She was around three or four at the time, and whenever uh, she did some wrongs and it needed to be corrected, I would try to sit her down. So I would sit down, and I'd stand her right in front of me so that we could talk about what was going on. But she knew that something was wrong. She knew that she did something wrong that, that created a division, a tension, a separation in our relationship. And already before any discipline would happen, she would just start crying, right? And so I just began, okay, okay, I know just April, just hang on there, right? Because I just want to talk about why something happened and why we're talking about this right now. But I couldn't because as soon as I try to start and I just put her in front of me and, I'm, and we're trying to have that kind of uh, heart to heart, she would just come right to me and bear hug me. And as she was bear hugging me, she'd just be crying. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get through this. But just a second, let's talk about this first so that we make sure that you understand uh, what happened and why that was wrong. And so I try to, you know, pry her off of me, stand her again, and then try to talk. But then again, she would just lean forward and grab me and start crying and wouldn't let go. You see, in that age, when she was around three or four, she instinctively knew that her wrongs created a separation with a relationship that she desperately needed. She wanted to bridge that gap no matter what. You see, her instinct wasn't to run away. Her instinct wasn't to hide. Her instinct wasn't to pout or to complain. Her natural instinct, despite the shame that she felt, despite, you know, whatever excuses that she could come up with, with as a three to four year old, her natural instinct was to bridge that gap, to just come close to me and to feel that she was close to me again. You know, sometimes I wonder when we look at our own relationship with God as adults, how independent we get. And we know the wrongs that we're doing, and, but we become a little bit more stubborn, a little bit more rebellious. And rather than wanting to bridge that gap, knowing that there is a gap in our relationship with God, we tend to hide more. We tend to run away more. We, we tend to just plant our feet down and be a little bit more stubborn and insistent that I want to go this way anyways. And then it creates that greater separation because we feel more guilty towards God or we feel like we're not in a place where we can go to God and that he will embrace us, but he does. God wants to embrace each and every one of us. You know, as my daughter uh, April got older, as important as this foundational relationship is to her, one of the things that she began to realize is that as foundational as this is and to desire to be as close to dad and mom as possible, she began to realize it's actually not enough. 
Remember the two callings that we talked about? Each one of us are created with two callings. Number one, to be in a right relationship with God as our primary. But number two, and it's packaged together, is to know what our purpose is, to know what our calling is. For April, even though she had the security of a relationship with me, now that she's growing older and becoming an adult and and learning her own independence, her own skill sets, her own experiences, the question that she is asking and that's beginning to ruminate in her heart and her mind is, what am I here for? It's a question that Mark Twain brought. The two most important things in our life is the day you were born and the day you find out why. You see, brothers and sisters, all of us, we have that longing. That longing not to just have security in our relationship, but also from that security to discover what are we here on earth to do? Who am I? What's my purpose? In today's passage, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 19, we see how God addresses these two primary callings with Jeremiah. Um, He's created each one of us with this kind of purpose in mind. And look what he says to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. He says this, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. See, in this passage, God makes clear to Jeremiah that we're all created with that specific calling in mind as well. Not just a relationship with God, but also a specific calling for God's purposes. This is actually reiterated a little bit later in Jeremiah 29, 11. As, as we go and we read through Jeremiah and as Israel goes ups and downs, ups and downs, they're reminded, the nation of Israel is reminded again in Jeremiah 29, 11, God saying to them, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You see, brothers and sisters, our, our Christian experience is not just wrapped up in deepening our relationship with Christ. We do this so that we can also, as we mature, discover our specific calling in our life. These two are needed so that our life feels purposeful, so our life feels meaningful. You know, there's a stat that was thrown around a lot uh, when I was younger. And that stat was this. I remember that as a youth pastor serving youth, and shout out to Jeremy. Jeremy was part of my youth ministry when I was a youth pastor. But when I was a youth, uh, youth pastor, this stat was thrown out, and it was this. People would say that 80% of youth never returned to church after graduating from high school. I'm not sure if you've ever heard that stat before, but I've seen that, that after the grade 12s would graduate and they go off to university, for whatever university life brought, for some reason, only 20% would actually come back to church. Only 20% will continue that rhythm of deepening the relationship with God and with the church community. In my experience, I've also noticed that this stat could probably be extended to any age group. It's not just youth, but it's most Christians in general. 
In my own experiences as a pastor over 20 years, I've seen this not just with youth groups graduating from high school, but also adults as well and seniors as well as well. It's not relegated to a specific group. You know, if I've seen a lot of people deepen their relationship with Christ and get into these uh, these incredible experiences of discovering God only later to walk away and to not come back to church or to practice a communal faith. You know, in fact, a few years ago, when I went to India on a mission trip, I met up with uh, one of the Indian pastors there, and they evangelize like crazy. They're incredible in the amount that they are going and, and bringing conversion to different villages and the different people that they meet. Like, it's incredible numbers, numbers that we would never see here in North America. These pastors are doing incredible work in, in sharing the gospel and these uh, uh, villagers responding by accepting Christ into their life. But on one particular evening, I had to sit down with one of the Indian pastors, and I asked them, wow, this is a huge turnout, a huge amount of people coming to Christ. But what's the retention rate like? In terms of what you have seen, after you come into a village like this, and then you leave, and then a year later you come back, what's the retention rate like? And he looked down a little bit disheartened, and he said this, he says it's less than 10%. Why is it that even after deepening and having this incredible relationship with Jesus Christ and having those experiences, why is it the retention rate of youth, the retention rate of adults who have met Christ and experienced Christ, why is it that majority begin to fall away and they don't come back? What's going on? I think at least part of the issue has to do with calling. That second part that is essential to our human existence. As great as that first calling is, that deepening of relationship with Christ and, and really um, experiencing Him in our life and seeing that He is good and having that relationship and spending time with Him in prayer and in worship and reading God's Word, it's not complete Without that second calling. You see, that second calling, it begins to mature that relationship. That second calling, it begins to bring meaning and purpose to why that intimacy is so good that we have with, that we have with God. See, the two need to exist together. But when we try to live our Christian life, when we try to live our relationship with, uh, relationship with God with just the one, just about reading our Bibles, just about going to church, right, just about keeping up our spiritual disciplines, we'll notice that at some point things go dry. And we begin to ask, what's the point of doing this? And it's because we're missing that second calling that brings deeper meaning and deeper experiences with God. Because in order to continue with God, we need to actually grow deeper with Him. We go beyond the surface level of devotions, beyond the surface level of prayer. We have more specific things, more deepening things that we need to pray with, that why we need to hold on to God and why we need to discover more about Him because we are pursuing our purpose and our call. That has been revealed to us. You know, many Christians limit their focus on a certain aspect of their first calling. 
and forget that in that first calling, there is a directionality that's embedded within it. We are called to Christ to go with Him on this journey because that is why He has called us. See, like all relationships, it's reinvigorated by a shared vision in life. You know, the challenges that are faced on that shared journey, it unlocks a greater depth of our love for one another. and unlocks a greater depth of my love for Jesus Christ because I see how faithful He is, how He really provides, and how He leads me to where I need to go. Think about the same thing. For some of you are married, some of you will be getting married, some of you are thinking about the possibility of marriage in the future. But it's the same thing with marriages. You know, there's two aspects in a marriage as well. The first aspect is that romantic intimacy, that feeling aspect, right? That needs to be there. But that's not enough. You need one other thing. You need a common vision, a common purpose to journey together. That common vision, that common purpose, it keeps us together and it deepens our appreciation of seeing and validating each one's gifts. We don't see those as differences that draw us apart, but we see as complementary, as something that benefits us as we benefit the other, as we share this one vision together. It begins to draw out that romantic benefit. We are intimate together, we have promised our life together, but we are also journeying together with this purpose and this direction in mind. See, brothers and sisters, we see a lot of times when people fall out of love and when there's a divorce, it's because they just focus on that first part. Our relationship isn't sound. We fell out of love. But is it possible it isn't so much that we may have fallen out of love, but it's that that love didn't go deeper because we didn't have the shared purpose, the shared vision together. For many of us, when we hear this, we can feel a little bit lost, a little bit confused because if it's true that the majority of us have tended towards seeing the Christian life as simply a relationship with God, Right? going to church and reading our Bible and connecting with Him in prayer. And we've only seen it that way. When we begin to hear, wow, so God really does speak to people and God really does say, here I created you in the womb and I know the plans and the purposes that I have for you and this is what I created you for, to be a prophet to the nations. God still speaks like that to us today and I would say yes. But here's the scary part of that. The scary part of that is we're not used to it. We see it in the Bible, but we, we haven't heard of it so much in our life. And when we don't hear of something and we never experience that, the questions that come into our mind is, how do I get there if I don't know how to hear from God? How do I get to that place where I know what that purpose is? Look at Jeremiah's initial resistance because this is the fears that came into his heart as soon as he heard God's voice. In verse 6, look what he says. As soon as God says to him, before, I knew, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. This is Jeremiah's response in verse 6. I do not know how to speak. 
I am too young. That's his response. God reveals his purpose to Jeremiah and says, here it is. And the first reaction that we see out of Jeremiah is two resistance issues. Number one, God, I think you've chosen the wrong person because I don't know how to speak, so how would I be a prophet? The second thing is, I'm too young. See, Jeremiah has fears as he gets this inkling of what God's calling him to do and what that purpose is, his fears are based on his own capabilities. He looks to himself and he says, in terms of what he sees in himself, that's not me. I don't have that. You, you may have chosen the wrong person. You know, there are other fears that increase that resistance. Look at the fears that later come up for Jeremiah as well, that God says that you will later face, that even when you go in that direction, here's another fear that will crop up. It's found in verses 8 to 17. He reminds Jeremiah, when you go to the nations, here's a fear that will, resist, that will cause resistance in you. And he says, do not be afraid of them. Do not be terrified by them. See, God was telling to Jeremiah, when you go to the nations and you speak the words that I tell you to speak, the people will resist you. That doesn't mean that you weren't called to do it. As difficult as that journey is, that doesn't mean that you weren't called to uh, go with me in that. He says, you will experience that. But here's the thing, Jeremiah, because you have your first calling, your, your full security is found in me, that will help you withstand the oppressive forces or the challenging forces that go against you from the people. All these people will reject you. All these people will say bad things about you, but you still need to go forward. And the thing that helps you get forward is that relationship with him, with God. You see, brothers and sisters, this is then what brings greater meaning to our relationship with God. This is why we want to go to worship God more because in worship, we draw closer in intimacy to be strengthened again, to go and withstand every force that's against us. You see, these two things, it works hand in hand, and that's what God was reminding Jeremiah of. You see, this is a big deal for me as someone who's in public service as a pastor and called to shepherd and to lead God's people. You know, in truth, people terrify me. I'm called to be a shepherd, to lead. And I'd be lying if I'd say their opinions don't matter. I'd be lying if I said that people's thoughts about me and uh, about the plans that God has called me to do, when it's, when it's criticized, when it's put down, it terrifies me. It brings fear. See, when things are going good in ministry, when things are going really well, it's easy for me to kind of rest on those false pillars, right? If money is going well, if stable relationships are going well, if my personal pursuits are going well, then great. I have those pursuits and I can le lean on that. And then people's voices don't affect me so much because for me, I have a false sense of security in these other things. Well, at least I'm better because I have this or I can always turn to that and things are gonna go well. But when all of those pillars are taken away, and you're called to stand there to trust God and to move forward. Without any of those pillars, those fears become real. God says, don't let it terrify you because that's what it feels like. It's terrifying. See, this is why God tells to, uh, says to Jeremiah, don't fear 
because I am with you. See, he's trusting that Jeremiah keeps going back to that first calling, that first foundational relationship with God to allow that to anchor him. You see, we only need God as our main thing to help us move forward. Look at God's response to Jeremiah. So Jeremiah gives this resistance. Number one, I can't speak. Number two, I'm too young. Look how God responds to Jeremiah's fear in verse 7. Do not say, I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do you guys see that small nuance that's actually in God's response? Like Jeremiah, maybe he was looking for comfort or someone to say, oh, no, 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 you're a good speaker. You can do it. Right? God doesn't do that. He actually agrees with Jeremiah. He goes, yeah, I created you. You're not a good speaker. Right? So he doesn't, he doesn't uh, you know, make Jeremiah feel more comfortable or encourage him by saying, no, 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 you're a good speaker. You can do it. No. He says, addresses the second thing. He just says, don't say you're too young. God doesn't address the first one of don't say you're a bad speaker because God looks like he agrees, right? But he says, don't say that you are too young. God actually agrees, right? But he says, don't say that you don't know how to speak. See, this is why God does not disagree with Jeremiah's first statement because Jeremiah was unqualified as a speaker. But here's the thing. He was not disqualified because of his inexperience, because of his youthfulness. Jeremiah was unqualified as a speaker, but he was not disqualified because of his inexperience or his youth. See, God addresses this issue by telling Jeremiah, this is where the foundational aspect of their relationship, their first calling, is crucial. He says, lean on me. And as you lean on me, and we learn how to trust God, when God leads us, look what God says, I will give you the words to say. You don't need to be a good speaker. You just need to hear from me. And what you hear from me, he says, just relay that. That's all your job. Just relay that to the people that I'm leading you to. See, brothers and sisters, a lot of times, it's a scary thing to follow God. Because we ourselves will see the unqualifying aspects that we have. We will also see the other aspects of our life that we feel we're disqualified from actually following. But God says, lean on me and trust in me to take care of the rest. These are the plans that God says that I have for you. Here's your purpose. And you might have all of this resistance to the purpose, but just follow my plan. And the only way we can follow it is to lean on him. See, the purpose that God had for Jeremiah was to be a prophet to the nations. He was called to uproot, tear down, destroy, and overthrow, but also to build and to plant. Why was God calling him? He's saying, I created you, Jeremiah, to tear down, uproot, destroy, overthrow everything that's built up in these nations' lives that are actually hurting them and that are hurting the people around them. But the words that I give you, it will tear those principalities, those strongholds down. But also the words that I give you, it will help them restart and to rebuild and to plant what is good. 
That was Jeremiah's purpose. Now, the plan to get Jeremiah there was simply to go as God told him to go and to say what God commanded him to say. That was the plan. He says, these are the plans and this is your purpose. You see, brothers and sisters, trying to achieve God's purpose without God's plan would result in Jeremiah feeling terrified by the people he was called to speak to. That's in verse 17. He says, you will be terrified by them. If you don't go and do this in my strength, they will terrify you. The resistance of the people was going to be formidable, but God promises him this. He says, I will be with you and I will rescue you in verse 18. God says, I will be with you and I will rescue you. In other words, he's saying, find your security in me. This is where your relationship with God, this is where all of that work in, in spending time with God in prayer, in spending time with God in community, spending time with God in worship, spending time with God in the word, doing all of this, this is where all of that counts because in that most terrifying need that you have, that most terrifying situation, that is all what's gonna come back to play. That foundation is what's gonna help hold you steady. See, brothers and sisters, that then begins to bring meaning to why we are worshiping, why we, are, we must come to Sunday worship, why we must be part of our life group, why we must be in prayer, why we must be in God's word. It's because it's part of his plans. It comes out as we stand on the purposes that God has appointed us for. And when we're doing that, that's where we lean on all of that other work that we are doing. See, we're generating the credit. We're generating the, the foundation so that when we are called to do it, we're able to withstand the things that terrify us. Brothers and sisters, my hope is that none of us forget about our relationship with God. How many of us had a glimpse of God's spoken purpose for our life? And then how many of us in response to that glimpse of God's purpose as he began to reveal it, and you kind of know that's, a, that's what God has put on your heart. How many of us have already dismissed it and said, I'm not ready yet? We were like Jeremiah saying, I'm too young, right? I'm disqualified from it because I'm not experienced enough. I'm not ready yet. How many of us had the courage to say yes to the purpose, but then only later to feel unqualified when God shows us his plan? And he says, okay, great. Now that you've accepted this purpose, here's the plan. Here's the first step. And we're like, I'm not a very good speaker, right? And we can fill in the blank, whatever that unqualifying aspect of our life might be. I don't know the word of God too much, or I'm not sure if I can really be able to, I'm, I'm able to do this with the time that I have. How many of us thought, God, I don't think you understand how difficult it is for me. But God's response to us is the same that he gave to Jeremiah. He says, you only need to say what I put on your heart to say. You only need to do what I will put on your heart to do. He says, don't look at your qualifications. Look to me. I am with you. And I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. But you need to cling to me. And not overly look 
at the thoughts, opinions, and the resistance of other people. You know, whatever challenges that we face as we hear God's plans and purposes, my prayer for all of us is may we cling to God and hear his words that lead us and promises to protect us. Let's pray. As we pray together at this time, let's each ask God in the quietness of your own room, in your own house, wherever you may be, ask him to help you to move forward in your relationship with God by going beyond just experiencing him to living for him. Ask God that, Lord. Lord, I want to move now from just having this relationship with you to now living for you. Help me to make that transition. Help me to cross that gap, that bridge. So, brothers and sisters, let's pray that together. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you so much for each and every one of these precious brothers and sisters, these precious children of yours. I pray that you would fill them with your spirit. As we hear from Jeremiah 1, may your word come to them clearly. May they hear from you and may they walk forward with you. We commit each one into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.